Hello, the internet, and welcome to another episode of Best of Five. It's the weekly podcast where sometimes we talk about FGC stuff. This week, we can't mess around. We got a lot to talk about. There's a lot of FGC stuff going on, especially since we missed last week. I apologize. I got food poisoning last week, so it's all my fault and nobody else's fault here. So apologies from me. Thank you, Steve, the Ace King, Offsuit Jurek, for the resub. Sub into your own show. Good job. Speaking of which, I am joined, as always, by my cohorts. First, Steve, the main squeeze, Ace King, Offsuit Jurek. Steve, how's it going? On a scale of 1 to 10, it's going. Same. I can agree with that. And, as always, the very lovely, multi-talented, force to be reckoned with, the purple Sharpie. Sharpie, what's good? Grappler apologists don't deserve anything in this world. Sorry, I almost just didn't, drowned it in air. Uh, after hearing that, I was sho- so shocked. Glad to see everything is the same. <laughs> I feel like all these intros, it's always Steve saying, eh, things are okay, and Sharpie uh, putting down Grappler. So I guess things are as they should be. Well, things are as they are. You can't get too high, you can't get too low. You just got to aim for that creamy middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like middle. an Oreo. The creamy middle. Speaking of creamy middle, tonight on the show, we're going to talk some Guilty Gear. Of course, Guilty Gear released last week. We're going to talk about it. Uh, the Intel World Open. There are results. We're going to talk about Vortex. We're going to talk about how KOF got delayed. E3 just happened. CEO's going crazy. Riptide's going crazy. Apparently, Xanadu's going crazy. Everybody's going crazy, and we're going to talk about it. We got some trailers and other announcements and stuff as well. But before we get to all that, Steve? Yeah. Steve? Yeah. I believe we have a grand old patented recap coming our way. And grand is the word for it because we had, over the last couple weeks, some big events. Uh, let's start in the world of Mortal Kombat. Uh, we had the regional finals for the Mortal Kombat Pro Competition. Uh, these were lo- regional online events where you earn points to qualify. Uh, in North America, it was to qualify for the top 16. Everywhere else, it was to qualify for the top 8. Uh, let's start in Brazil. Conqueror, a familiar name, won last year's Liga Latina, which covered all of South and Latin America. He is the Brazilian champion, holding off Baca in the grand final there. Uh, moving on to Liga Latina Norte, north, northern part of South America, or, or of uh, Central America, excuse me. Dash, representing Colombia, getting the win. Uh, G Viper and Yadriel El Punk rounding out the top three. Yadriel representing Cuba. Man, it is good to see some some countries you don't expect to see in these top eights. Obviously, Dominican scene very strong, well, well represented with five players in the top eight. But uh, good on you, Yadriel. Uh, Liga Latina Sur, the South. America contest. It was an all Chilean final. Uh, Hellraiser getting the nod over Eternal in the grant final to take uh, the $1,500 prize there. Uh, 
rounding out Liga Latina is the Mexican competition, and it was Illuminati who won it uh, over iScorpion. I believe Illuminati used uh, Aaron Black. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think he used Aaron Black the entire way. Uh, so that was... I cannot correct you because I was not there. I apologize. Uh, that was uh, the previous weekend. This past weekend were the finals for the Intercontinental Combat, uh, which was Europe uh, and Oceania, as well as the North American League finals, obviously U.S. and Canada. Uh, starting with Oceania, was representing Australia, gets the win. Uh, Swazi carrying the flag for New Zealand, taking home the silver. Wi-Fi Scorpion finishing third in the results, but first in the best name competition. <laughs> and really, that's all that matters. <laughs> that is, uh, the, that is it, the biggest award, let's be real. That That's the best award. Uh, kicking it over to the Middle East region. Uh, Tekken Master, the biggest name from the Middle East, holds it down. Gets the win. Uh, you see the rest of the top three. They're knocking off his teammate in the grand final. Uh, I Wasim, I believe, is how it's pronounced. I am not a hundred percent sure, and I apologize for that. Uh, and then moving on to Europe, the Europe East region was won by Mister Ramirez. Oh, uh, Mister Ramirez. Holding it down for Russia. Uh, topping the podium along with K-Top on the second step for Greece. And Russia's Val in third. Nivik, one of the players uh, who made several journeys from Europe to uh, the U.S. for pro competitions of the past. Rounding out the top four. And then more. Uh, the EU East region was won. By someone from a nation that's not going to be part of the EU anymore. Video Games Yo continues his great run, holding off Law Corridor in the grand final to take home top honors. Josh TQ and Zoker rounding out the top four there. And we'll bring it home from Mortal Kombat side of things with what happened in North America uh, these were since there were only two regions in North America, that meant that the regional finals were twice as big and the prizes were twice as valuable. Combat winning the East region over hijinks, uh, Kerbalicious, and Samij rounding out the top four. So, combat takes home the three thousand dollar grand prize. Man, it's like when the main character of a movie says the name of the movie. I mean, it happens sometimes, that's why it's the name of the movie. You know, you get you got to shoehorn it in. It's in it somewhere. Uh, if if you if you have a problem with the name combat, take a step back and rewind because that's who won the Western region. Uh, okay, I'll rewind. I'll give it up. Rewind uh, beats Jukes in the grand final. Pop Tart nine six four giving a. Uh, Giving Wi-Fi Scorpion a run for the money with uh, in the best name competition, uh, rounding out the top three in an all-American top eight 
there. Wait, you're going to bring up the best name competition and not talk about Unfazed Moses tied for 13th? <laughs> he, he, Unfazed Moses just seems, you know, so blasé Tales. about everything. He is Some unfazed. would say that it pales in comparison from the lack of phasing. Some would say that. Truth. You know what I would say? What would you say? I, I would say that I'm getting a little angry hearing about it. Why is that? And you know who else is getting angry? Who's that? Capcom Cup. They are a little angrier now than they were two weeks ago because last week's competition was the first step uh, for the Middle East region, and it was Angry Bird holding off fellow bird, Big Bird, in the grand final. GTR finishing third to round out an all-UAE podium. Uh, obviously, those two are two of the strongest players in that region, but this is the first time they've ever met in the grand final of a CPT event. Mm-hmm. And it goes Angry Bird's way. So Angry Bird is headed to Capcom Cup. He will be joined by Takamura, who won this past weekend's event, Europe West. Uh, Takamura bested Momi in the grand final. Ryan Hart getting third. Uh, good to see him doing his thing, holding it down for Germany still. And Scudo rounding out the top four. So Takamura, for the second straight year, qualifies for Capcom Cup. Hopefully, this time he actually gets to play in it. Oh, yeah, he wasn't able to make it last time around. I forgot about that. Yeah, because, well, no one did. Well, no one was able to make it. You're right. <laughs> I caught myself, kind of. Uh, Sharpie, right. Sharpie, I think everybody wants... I think we need to stop the show here for a second. Everybody yes. is infatuated with the fact that we have a guest. And I feel like we need to introduce this guest. Hi, everybody. This is a, this is Athena. Little baby girl, say hi. Oh. Yeah, hi. Ooh, ooh. I think she wants down, so I'm going to let her else. down. <laughs> I think she wants down. She was totally, she wanted to come up, and she was, like, purring the entire time. And I was like, ah, okay, uh, fine, because she's been very temperamental lately. But um, I just thought maybe she wanted to sit in my lap, and she did. And then as soon as I started speaking, she's like, I want no more of this, which is always fantastic for viewers. But her name is Athena. She's two years old. I got her about three months or two months ago now on my birthday back in April. And I absolutely love her. She's the very first cat I've ever owned. And uh, I'm more of a dog person for sure, but I still love her unconditionally. Is she a, is she a cable chewer? You know, she's not. And that's what I love so much about her. Whoever had her previously, like she doesn't scratch any of my furniture. She, she does this thing where she kind of scrounges around for food, but she doesn't really eat anything on the ground. So she's like a very well-trained cat. She's a very, very fantastic first cat because I didn't have to train her to do anything. She ate the food I gave her. She loves the litter box I love. I got her some cat furniture and she absolutely loves that. She scratches only her scratching post. She doesn't chew my cables unless I like start messing with her and, and playing with it, which I haven't been doing. So she doesn't learn that cables are are full, are, are fun or toys, but she's, she's a really loving cat. And the worst thing about her is the fact that she likes to wake me up at 3 a.m. to remind me that she is, she is, she is like, alive mm-hmm. um just decides to like stop my breathing by sleeping on my face yeah i've been told that this is a sign not of murderous lust but just love so just trusting the internet on that one well the internet knows a thing or two about cats so i would trust the mm-hmm. internet about cats uh thank you for giving us a little intro to your 
your new the new guest of the show the new co-host uh so we appreciate athena hopping on the show for a little bit i know everyone that's why people follow is to personally hear about the very antiquated and very important dealings of my pet yep personally <laughs> anyway after that awful pun steve are we done with the recap or is there more? um let's let's kind of shift gears with this recap oh. uh because all in addition to the mortal Kombat competition we also over the last couple weeks uh witnessed the intel world open open qualifiers these were the first step along the path uh, to qualify for the Intel World Open Finals. So you had open qualifiers around the world, top two finishers from each uh, of these open qualifiers qualified to the closed qualifiers. And then uh, a certain number of people, depending on the region, will get out of those qualifiers and to the regional final uh, where money will be at stake. And I kind of want to go through... Uh, the results and see if we have any predictions on who we think will get who, who we think uh, are the players to watch. Okay, let's do it. So let's start with region number one, and that is Japan and Korea. So the you see eight finalists for Japan. Uh, six of them will advance to the final. You see four finalists for Korea. Two of them will advance to the regional final there uh which name which names jump out at you there the fact that daigo's not in japan jumps out at me there like that's gonna be the case when you have any sort of co competition like this nobomochi uh tokido got in at the very end you know so many great players in in every region and there's just not enough room to for everybody to get in. But all right, uh, I'm gonna put, put down a bold prediction. I'm sorry to cut you off, Steve. That's okay. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride, until the Olympics come around. I think Fudo's gonna win it. The whole thing. That is a bold prediction. I think it's. I, I, I think you got to watch out for NL. He's not necessarily my pick to win, but I I think he'll get through uh, the South Korea loop, and he may take a scalp or two uh, in the regional final. Uh, let's head over to East Asia. Sharpie, did you want to oh. make a prediction on anyone here? I did not. I know better than to open my mouth with a bad prediction. Because I made a couple bad predictions about Nintendo Direct, and I, I uh, had to delete a couple of things I promised. So, no, I'm good. But thank you very much for asking. Okay. No okay. problem. Uh, speaking of good, you know who else is good? Zero Star X for resubbing for 16 months in a row. Thank you, Zero Star. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! Indeed. I drove through a lot of Texas today, so I'm surprised that that's not in my vocabulary yet. Cool. Japan and Korea are in the books. Steve, where else are we going? What's next? Uh, let's go to East Asia. So this went through a little bit of a change. Uh, there was an East Asia region as well as uh, the three you see on there. Uh, however, they had no entrance. Uh, so due to a lack of entrance, uh, China and Taiwan each get an additional place 
in the regional final. So three of those four names in Taiwan will make it. Three of those names in China will make it. And two of the Hong Kong players will. Um, I'm 29, my boy. He could do damage. Oil King, I think, is going to be a big problem. Um, I And Xiaohai is, as well. Uh, it's been a little while since we've seen him. Uh, at least stateside uh, since we've seen him. Yeah, but I remember Zhao Hai was a force to be reckoned with, man, so... Still is. Yep. Still mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, let's kick it over to Southeast Asia. So you've got two players from Singapore who will make it, and then six from the rest of the Southeast Asia region, including uh, CPT regulars, Chuan, and SKZ, Brandon, and Sien. The Singapore one is going to be tricky because, you know, Brandon's SKZ, Sien, one of those players at least is not going to make it to uh, top eight. I'm putting my money on Sien making it, though. I I also believe Sien will come out on top there in top two. Who's willing to bet a pizza? Let's start the pizza bets now. Not like this. Not like I this. I'll I'll do a pizza on Cien not making it. Okay, Ooh. let's shake hands. <laughs> that's a good that's a good OS right there. I appreciate that. All right, uh, let's head over to Oceania. All right, that's one pizza bet. What's next? We got Australia and the rest of the Oceanic region in there. You've got uh, familiar names like Ghost Chips, Rumors. BK Sama, Somniac, Travis Styles. Five make it out from Australia, three from the rest of the region. Um, I, I think Travis Styles is going to do some things in there, but we shall see. Yeah, that, that was my pick, too, to be completely frank. All right. Next up Middle East, Asia, or Middle East, Africa, and West Asia. So you have. Three players from UAE and five uh, from the Middle East. And obviously, the the two names we talked about earlier, Angry Bird and Big Bird, they jump out as the heavy, heavy favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, but do not sleep on someone like Dragon Slayer X. Uh, do not sleep on someone like Dark Sword. Could do some things. Uh, next up... Eastern Europe. Um, you've got a couple of familiar names from Russia, in, including Duoctic uh, and Ross and Sunmate. Uh, rest of Eastern Europe, you uh, Shady Imposter, Take My Mash, another great qual- uh, name in that race for the greatest name of the of the week. I I agree. Yeah, Mute the Scream is also a really good one too. I appreciate it. Yeah, I like Shady Imposter and Take My Mash. Okay, so two for Take My Mash, one for Mute the Scream. We'll 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 iron it out. We'll consult the council on who has the best name out of uh, the Europe East. Steve, where's net? Where where next? Where are we going? Uh, let's go to Western Europe, because we've got some big big names. EU West, you've got Phenom in there. We got Takamura just won a CPT event. Uh, Vega Patch holding it down for Spain. Veggie, 
look at the UK, though. A.K.A. Jones, who won the last chance qualifier for Red Bull Kumite uh, a few weeks ago. Hurricane and Infectious. The evil one. One of those players. Yeah. One of those players, at least, is not making top eight here. Yeah, it's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. And then you've also got France, where Mr. Crimson has done damage. Mm-hmm. Nas is a player to watch. Kills you a player to watch. Again, so it, it, it's, it's going to be very difficult to get through. Yeah, Big For Lil was pointing out something that uh, uh, I was... Uh, finding out I'm missing. No Problem X for the UK and no Luffy for France. Absolutely. There, only four players get in. You, it, it, It's the format of the tournament. There's two tournaments. You got to make grand finals in one of them. If you don't, want That's competitive gaming, honey. That's sure. what you got to do. No paycheck for you. Who's next? <laughs> uh, let's, let's go a little more local here. Uh, North America, on the east side of things, you've got six players making it out of the U.S. and two from Canada. Flux Wave, probably the most successful player CPT-wise uh, from the Canadian side. But U.S., you've got some very, very uh, good players, especially uh, recent events. Rob TV has been running strong. Joey, that's my boy right there. Idom. Saban, Punk, Brian F. You got Young Art in the mix. You've got uh, Ludd, who, who Ludd mm-hmm. and Cammy are players who get slept on a lot. They are very, very strong players. Yep. Uh, Ludd is a uh, frequenter of the Next Level Arcade uh, for the Next Level uh, Battle Circuits. Uh, of course, Ludovic is also a Xanadu regular from my specific region. And oh, nice. very frequently gets a uh, top four at our local events, mm-hmm. uh, bested occasionally by Dark Child or OG On, or um, even even um, I'm blanking right now. But but Lud is a very strong player for sure. Yeah, I remember he beat me in a DreamHack tournament a couple years ago. So obviously he's gonna win. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, good to see Young Art in the mix. I think it's been a hot minute since we've seen uh, Arturo competing. Okay. Since since Lud is kind of representing your local scene somewhat, Mm -hmm. and Joey, uh, formerly from the Twin Cities, representing my local scene, can we do a pizza bet on that, whoever finishes higher? Now, is that Joey D, the the Marvel player? Or is that a different Joey? No. Uh... Joey FGC, formerly known as Mojo Jojo. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. I don't really know that person, but I have enough belief in my DMV brethren, Lud, that I will take that bet. Take on it. it. (laughs) (laughs) The left-right mix-ups are so dangerous here. For sure. All right, so that's oh man, did y'all see that? The 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 delay based netcode was so good there. <laughs> it's that lean back netcode. <laughs> <laughs> it almost looked like it was offline. Ha ha Whoa. ha ha ha. 
All right, we got to move on. We got to stick to the schedule. Where are we going yeah. next, Steve? Sorry to... Uh, your joke was amazing, Sharpie. I'm so sorry to cut it off. I appreciated it. Uh, U.S. West, or North America West, excuse me. Some strong players uh, from the U.S. Six of them are going to make it out. Daka Dillis, Jonah B., uh, Nephew and Samurai, obviously, have had success in uh, Street Fighter League. Most notable name on uh, the Canada side is probably Blast who was just uh, not too long ago, had their indefinite suspended lifted uh, from Capcom Pro Tour events. Uh, But this is the Intel World Open. It's not a Capcom Pro Tour event. It is not. Um, And I'm I'm not entirely sure if, uh, because they were banned from all Capcom associated events. Mm. So I believe that also applied to the Intel World Open, but it was lifted. so or slash ended so making the best of the of their opportunity we'll see how far they make it uh and then two more to go go for it uh central american mexico uh got some strong players there el tigre and kusanagi the two probably most notable names from mexico uh but you've got once again, you look at that DR list, crossover, Louis Man, and Meta. At least one of them's not making top eight. Wait a second. We're missing someone. Kaba? Right. Kaba was a DR person. Where'd they go? Not in. They didn't make it. Sad times. Uh, but Mono, former best of five guest, holding it down. Uh, for Puerto Rico, they've got a chance to to make some noise. But again, you got to believe that the DR players are among the favorites here. But don't be surprised if uh, Kusanagi does some damage. Word. And, and then let's stop. Sorry. Let's let's close it off with uh, South America. This is Brazil and everybody else. Four from each place. Uh, Picaro. Uh, one of Peru's strongest players is the name that jumps out to me uh, on the South America side of things. Uh, on Brazil, you've got some familiar faces like Didi Boca, Paulo Webb, Juninho. Uh, and then you've got Ronaldinho, who's been on a bit of a roll, won the uh, CPT Brazil event mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, made it the first crack, got into the first qualifier for uh, Brazil for this so the name is lucky the name is lucky you know you call the power of football when you invoke Ronaldo Dino and all the memes mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. of the memes so yeah that is uh that's who you get to watch uh it will be a couple they'll start in a couple weeks and then um end of July into early August is when we see the regional finals when where the money is on the line. Solid. Thank you, Steve, for that awesome patented recap with the addition of the Intel Open recap. Uh, can't wait to see what comes out of that. Is there anything else left of the recap, or is, is that the, the end? Let's the dive right into our our big topics. Okay, cool. First off, let's cover this because this is important. Vortex, formerly known as Enemivo, now no, now known as Vortex, has released their games list. Shall we take a look at those? Yeah, let's take a look at that. Because you've got a pretty good list right here. You've got 
uh, Central F Fiction and Cross Tag. You've got Fight of Animals. You've got Fexel, Garu. You've got Plus R, King of Fighters 2002. You've got Melty, and you've got Mahjong Soul, which was one of the great uh, breakout hits of last year's event. Or so. That's a pretty good list, right? Mm -hmm. That's a that's mm -hmm. a very strong lineup for the first event under the Vortex Gallery name. But Steve, mm -hmm. yes, I, I, I feel like there's something missing. It, uh, like there wouldn't be a second image to this, would there? Yes, there is, and here it is. Double the games. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, a massive. Uh, 25, if I remember correctly. Uh, so in addition to everything you, you saw earlier, Sam show special, uh, Tatsunoka versus Capcom ultra Kianta two is <laughs> in it's there. back. It's back. Uh, <laughs> v save virtual fighter five in the mix as well. Waku Waku seven. I still do not think that's a real game. <laughs> I, I still think that was just something that that uh, Hell Pockets just threw in there, just to see if anyone would notice. I'm on to you. Also, uh, I just want to point this out. Shout out to Punch Planet. If you haven't played Punch Planet, that's a really fun game. So I was I was going to say I wanted to wait until Steve was at a like stopping point, but I'm very happy because I feel like Punch Planet is one of those games, along with Skullgirls and those Fighting Herds, that doesn't get their props for the amount of innovation and the amount of accessibility they place inside of that game. It's such a good game. Like, it's just inherently a very good fighting game. And the fact that it is one of the more, I feel, successful independently made fighting games right now inside of the sphere in the last, I would say, half a decade is is so amazing. I'm very happy it's at this... It's, I'm very happy it's at Vortex. That's, that was such a good pickup. Yeah. It's, it's about time they got their day in the spotlight of the Vortex. 100%. 100%. All right. Uh, okay. Quick block grab, and by block grab, I mean pick one. What's your favorite game out of the Vortex lineup? Steve, you have a favorite? Uh, I guess I gotta watch Waku Waku Seven just to see how how he can pull this off. Um, I I, I just want to see some good. Uh, like this might be the year I actually watch a Kianta Two tournament from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. Just to, cause, cause that game is still a fever dream to me. <laughs> it is really good. I wish we had the, uh, I wish we had the trailer like we did last year. Cause that was a trip and a half. Sharpie, do you have a favorite game on this, out of this lineup? Uh, it's a tie between plus R and melty for me. Mm. And plus R because I absolutely adore Plus R as like a Skullgirls player. I really, really enjoy Plus R. Anytime I get to see offline Plus R, I'm very excited. Um, and Melty, it's only a matchup between Melty because I've been watching so much Melty with the lead up to Climax lately. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, I, I when is the event scheduled for again, Steve? Uh, this is going to be uh, around the same time as Evo. So late July into early August. See, this is going to be, I think, the big Melty Blood event prior to climax, which is why I say melty, and it's a really, really close toss-up for me. Just because by default, if you'd asked me any other time, I would have said very easy, uh, very easy plus R. But the fact that there's going to be so much offline talent there, 
specifically for the melty blood scene right before climax that's huge that's that's a big that's a, that's very exciting to me and by the way this is the initial lineup uh mm. the the their tournaments could be added through june 27th <laughs> so. yeah, see, i'm interested <laughs> in seeing like who was actually already pre-registered for the event because i know people that frequented anime evo like scrot vermilion and H- hotashi all basically all people that went to evo would attend this event so i'm very interested in seeing who the pre-registration pre-registrants are already you know for sure uh registration is coming soon trade Ooh, okay so no one has signed up quite yet but they are accepting volunteers right now uh you can follow them on twitter at 956 productions Mm-hmm. Uh, so that will be the place to go to follow all of the uh, uh, Vortex Gallery news. Also, I'm, the tournament I will actually probably watch is Uni. Mm-hmm. Out of that, so yeah. I think I really want to watch Fexo. Man, high level fighting EX Slayer is so good. I'm still sad it's not called Flex, but I'll watch it. We'll live. We'll live. We'll live. We right. got more to cover. Yes. Let's talk the big kahuna. Last week, Guilty Gear was released into the wild. December, or December, he's wish. June 8th, if you had pre-ordered it on the PlayStation. The 11th, on everything else. Or if you hadn't pre-ordered it. It is out. Sharpie, I know you said you got to play some. How mm-hmm. do you feel about the game? I love the game. Uh, I think the netcode is very reliable. Uh, I got to play quite a few matches, and by quite a few, I mean about four before I had my hitbox manhandled away from me by my fiancé, who then uh, proceeded to basically play Potemkin and state, you know, that nobody else was going to have fun that evening. Uh, I also had the good fortune of hosting an offline tournament, the very first offline tournament that Xanadu hosted was exclusively for Guilty Gear, and I got to see some really, really good Guilty Gear in an offline setting. And I have to say, as someone who's seen it as both online and offline, the difference in gameplay is so negligible. The difference in, you know, the gameplay experience is so negligible. Mm-hmm. At that, It's very nice to see. That's what I'll say. Uh, the online experience was very similar to the offline experience for me, and I appreciated that, especially coming from, once again, Skullgirls, them fighting hers, games with fantastic netcode, to then go offline and still be able to play uh, at a very similar level felt really, really good. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, obviously this is impossible to react to online and this you can do this offline. We're not at that stage yet. We're still at the stage where we can just basically practice right now. We're not at the scummy level of gameplay yet. You know what I mean? So it's it's fantastic to see it in both settings right now. Yeah, I totally agree. However, I have some thoughts on it, and I wrote this all while I was very salty. So you know these are going to be good. And I had written these because uh, I had written these for last week's show. So I have it up on the dock. I'm even going to... I don't usually put myself here on the screen, but here we go. Elon's thoughts on Strive, written and notated by Elon. And red by First, ranked lobby tower system is so ass it makes me have buyer's remorse. Here is why. Moving floors interrupts set. Even if you don't want to move floors, it interrupts your set. Right? If you're on floor 10 and you're recommended on floor 8 and you get to floor 9, it interrupts your set. Stupid. 
Why am I the only person in the Celestial Floor in the North America West server? I'm ass at fighting games. I should not be the only person there. Where is the rest? Servers are making me having are making me have buyer's remorse. Here's why. Not necessarily the matches. The matches themselves are amazing and they're great. Logging in takes about 30 minutes, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. You have to sit there, and I think we need to hire a therapist for Arxis and their servers because they have a lot of issues communicating, and that's not good. Ranked lobby oh. is still about as bad as the beta was. They warned us it wasn't going to be great, but after paying 80 smackaroos for it, kind of regretting it, not going to lie. Fishing doesn't feel great. The joy of gotcha is gone when you can't even see the fish. You know? Come on. Now, was there joy in gotcha in the first place? Absolutely. No. No, Steve. No, there wasn't. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Absolutely, there's joy in gotcha. It's like playing uh, slots. Uh, except worse. Uh, now, in the, dev in the developer backyard, they did say that improvements are on the way. They were releasing it in a not-so-great fashion, and they're going to slowly uh, improve it along the way. They're going to add some new modes, one being a combo mode, which you can basically take a combo that you that was done to you in a match and you can then place it in the training mode to try and do it or to try and beat against it or something. Uh, and Steve, I am sorry. I'm going to make you bleep out a couple of things here because I have a clip because I accidentally run into ran into something while I was playing Guilty Gear and I just happened to be streaming on my other channel. And I feel like my reaction to it is I, I can't duplicate it. So without further ado, here is me finding some stuff. Sorry, Steve. It's okay. This is cool. So. Oh, <laughs> they have counter match or uh, matchup tutorials. Holy. <laughs> okay. Well, fuck me then. Where the fuck was this the entire time? So every time somebody's doing Fafnir, we can just stick out a button. Holy crap, it takes so long. Oh my god. That's crazy. Most of Souls moves. Anyway. They have matchup tutorials. so much. So yeah, much you, in you that did a, little that, clip. That, Some of that felt excessive, honestly, Elon. Look, that's how I speak normally. Okay, that's non-best-of-five Elon normally. But... They their mission mode covers just about everything, including matchup tutorials, which I think is amazing. I was legit struggling with the May matchup, and I found that they teach you how to deal with dolphin in the matchup tutorial. Beautiful. That's the that's the type of stuff I want to see. Yeah, it's amazing. I have and they even yeah. they even teach you. It's like practice against this in training mode to find optimal punishes. They say that verbatim. It's like, oh, thank you. I now know what to do. It's so good. I'm still, I'm still bitter. I refuse to to lab the matchup between with with May. I, I, I'm sorry. I can't. I don't. I won't. I refuse. By merit, it's too good. But we can all agree that Soul is kind of BS, right? We can all agree that. Yeah. But okay, if cool. you if you do those matchup tutorials, they teach you some stuff. Go to mission mode. Uh, but yeah, so I'm happy with the game overall. Of course, I'm kind of pissed that the lobby system sucks. I'm kind of pissed that 
it takes 30 minutes. Like, it feels like I'm back to, like, CRT TVs. You remember when you got to school? Got home from school? And you turned on the TV, and then you went and did everything while the TV warmed up, and then came back and started watching TV? Yeah. Thank you for saying yes. Uh, I mean, I, I knew that uh, feeling. I, I played yeah. on GameCube, so. Word. But yeah, so, it, it felt like that, and not in a good way. The other thing yeah. I wanted to bring up before we move on from Guilty Gear is... Uh, we had an event just recently called, I'm, I'm assuming it was called Levo. It was Leffen Evo. It was Leffen Ran, a gigantic tournament for Guilty Gear Strive. He even had Ringe and, oh my goodness, who was the other, was it Vicious? I don't remember who the other commentator was. I feel awful that I don't know. I apologize. Uh, the tournament itself was amazing. Uh, the top eight was ridiculous. Okay, so it was vicious. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, D, D Dong Man from the chat. Uh, and Blue from the chat. Thank you. Uh, it was, it was Ranger Vicious. Um, but yeah, tournament was amazing. Top eight was amazing. Grand finals was Sonic Fox and... I wish I had written it down. Anyway. Uh, Sonic Fox won, everybody. So, yeah, Sonic okay. Fox won. <laughs> okay, Sonic, <laughs> Sonic won is what we're leading up to here. Yeah. With, with Leo... Tempest, thank you, Blue. Sonic Fox won uh, with Leo with some crazy random, not random, obviously they're very calculated because Sonic Fox trains their opponents. You know, uh, he DPs Dolphins with Leo, and it was crazy. It was amazing. It was really cool to watch, like the first glance at high level Guilty Gear uh, in such a big tournament. So it was a very tight grand finals reset. Big Little says, I agree. But yes. Uh, that is Guilty Gear in a nutshell. Uh, I wish we had more time to talk about it and more time to, for me to show you stuff, but that's what we got for now. I'm happy with the game overall. What just happened? Uh, oh, a bunch of things changed. Uh, I'm happy with the game overall. <laughs> I feel like everybody else is happy with the game overall. Not so much with the lobby system, but hopefully they'll fix it. Any more thoughts on Guilty Gear before we move on? Well, we did have it as our question of the day. We did ask, uh, how do you like Strive so far? Uh, and I don't know if we can pull the graphic up on screen. The majority of respondents, the vast majority, nearly 85% of respondents said that they were either really liking it or at least kind of liking it. So uh, 6% kind of disliking it, 8.5% saying they're really dislike it uh we are just a few days into we're in day uh four officially mm. or day five excuse I'm me on the 11 yeah. yeah well yeah if you count 11 as day one then that then we're in day five yes so so all right pretty good results we do have we do know that uh there is going to be a season of dlc uh five characters uh there has been some data mining of the uh of the game and the identity of those five characters is floating out there if you wish to spoil yourself you can if you wish to avoid that you can uh but it's out there mm -hmm. for sure can't wait and to see what kind of shenanigans they bring and they also announced uh, today, I believe, that they've sold 300,000 copies already. Mm. That's great. Which is 
pretty darn impressive thus far. We'll see how big it, that, that number that's goes. That's a lot for a release of a game, especially through when there was very little promotional content going on at offline events, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and from what I've seen, too, like at least for the numbers on Steams have been gangbusters. Right, so the power of rollback. Don't underestimate. Last thoughts on Guilty Gear and the question of the day. We'll see how we feel in about a week. True, very true. So, very true. All right, let's move on. We do be slightly behind a schedule, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, KOF, the King of Fighters, recently announced that they're delaying the project. Sad times all around. I did see that. It's yeah. it's kind of surprising to me because I felt like they were very steady about coming out with, with release videos every single week, you know? Uh, yeah. so we, do, we do have a statement from uh, the game's producer, Yasuyuki Oda, on the postponement. Uh, he said, quote, The development timeline we set out to reach in the beginning has been affected by the ever still rising cases of COVID-19 within Japan. We have made the ultimate decision in the end that the product's quality must come first, and so with that decision comes an altered release window. We sincerely ask for your kind patience and understanding as our development team continues to work on hard on King of Fighters 15 as we draw closer to its release. So, it is postponed to the first quarter of 2022. No specific date as of yet. Um, obviously... A lot of things they're going to say co- is due to due to COVID, uh, no matter what the industry. Uh, Japan, however, is getting hit hard once again. Uh, they're still struggling with vaccinations uh, and getting people to actually get vaccinated, uh, distributing the vaccines. Yeah. So uh, you see uh, several ways Japan is struggling. This is unfortunately one of them. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's, I mean, sad times all around, right? Everybody was hoping to play KOF. Now we got to wait. But hopefully the longer wait means a better game in the end. As we all say to ourselves when something gets delayed. Any final thoughts on the delay? Go ahead, Steve. Sorry. So it, it, I don't know if this will necessarily hurt them as much as it would in other years, because there isn't really what other big games are there coming down the pipe in terms of fighting games. Not a whole lot confirmed right. outside of KOF. I mean, Strive is, is launched now. Obviously, that was the big one. Now it will be KOF. And there really isn't anything else for it to bump up against as of yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Melty, I, I see. In all due respect, I wouldn't necessarily put Melty in that category. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about the quality, but... I don't think it's going to get as big of an audience as something like KOF would. Um, But really, that's about it. So, yeah, they're still going to have some some buffer in terms of getting having that new game shine on them once it does come out. For sure. I totally agree. And, you know, it's it's funny because we did see that. The initial, like, it, you never get a second chance to make a first impression, and that always, I think, hits home, right? So when KOF 14 released first, things didn't look great. A lot of people were not pleased with the online. There was a lot wrong with it. And I feel like overall, that kind of hurt it. 
to the point where KOF 14 now is a great game since they fixed it up. They added DLC characters. They changed things around. They have nothing for the next one. But a lot more people seem to be playing it because it is a lot more polished now. So I think having that polish right off the bat is going to be a big deal for them. Cool. Sharpie, you're muted. Oh my god, I'm sorry, I accidentally pressed the mute button. Um, I was saying that basically also the structure of having an open beta where everybody was able to try it and they were very transparent about the netcode, I think that helped foster a lot of goodwill that went a very long way during quarantine. Sorry, I accidentally unplugged my headphones and I didn't hear anything for the next couple minutes, I apologize. I'm back Why now. is everybody accidentally doing stuff? Now well, I feel look. like I gotta knock a water bottle down. I just poured this coffee all over myself. Ah, gotcha. Uh, anyway. Any Speaking final... of gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, uh, that's a nice transition. <laughs> yeah, Let's it is, right? Let's go ahead and take a look at some trailers of things that are coming down the pipeline, pi pipeline shall we? Starting first with, you guessed it. I hope this is playing. Oh. <laughs> That's long. She's back. Crowd goes making wild. Her, making her return from KOF 14. Crowd goes wild. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't the I, only Sam Show announcement. I mean, KOF. I mean, SNK announcement. <laughs> Sorry, <Steve>. so <laughs> <laughs> oh, that wasn't the only man. SNK announcement. Let's take a look at the other thing. Cat. Change jar. Oh, oh, dang. They came out yesterday. Crazy. Yes. So, along with I the balance. I love pass. that character. Mama say, Mama say, Mama. Mama say, Mama say, Mama. Mama say, Mama say, Mama. No. Nope, nope. You don't get to do Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You don't, Elon. I'm sorry. You're right. We're, I will right. allow you to do several things here. Michael Jackson is not one of them. Hey, I'm allowed to like Michael Jackson's music, but I will no longer do any Michael Jackson impersonation or sing along songs with songs. Anywho, because we're behind schedule, yes. right? Yep. You know what else happened? This came out today, I think. Yes. Let's let's, let's oh. talk. Let's talk about this, because this is a thing. This is a big thing. Uh-oh. It's a Smash character. Sma what? What? Yep. It happened. A Tekken character yes. has finally made it in the Smash. Goodbye, Kirby. Get out of here. Adios. What? Kirby escapes. Kirby always escapes. They always have to act. That was cute. That was so cute. Kirby always escapes. So, Kazuya is now in Smash Brothers. Uh, everybody's going crazy. What do we think? Grab or, grab or block? Block or grab? Grab. Grab. Um, you know, ugh, I, I've said easy. this before and I'll... I, I said this before, I'll say this again. Forget what you think of Smash as a fighting game. As a video game. 
every time they do something like this, they do it with such care. They throw in fan service in the best way possible. Loads and loads of it. And they, uh, they, they just do such a good job. It's just, oh, that, the, the whole thing with Kirby at the end of the trailer. I love those little twists <laughs> that they do. It That's is really a chef's good. kiss out of 10. And I don't know if you guys saw the direct earlier today, but they showed a couple of his moves. And he has most of his moves list from Tekken somehow. He even has his uh, win god fist. <laughs> He's got crouch dash. <laughs> Why, I almost said a bad word there. If but, you thought... Crazy. If you thought... Uh, doing DPs in Smash was going to be challenging. <laughs> Korean back <day. laughs> That's what we have Smash boxes for, you know? True. Yeah. True. But yeah. Uh, absolutely wild. Absolutely crazy. Can't wait to see how this comes out. And what Well, it's interesting way. that you speak about seeing how it comes out because you know elon i happen to work at one of the biggest super smash by their offline venues in the world yes and i believe you had some news that you wanted to share that you kind of did a little bit at the very top of the show so i did Kirby, go for it everyone we are i wanted to talk about this last week um but xanadu has officially opened and i am so so happy because we are one of the very first locals inside of the greater dc maryland and virginia area to have returned back to the offline setting i am so incredibly excited for it we had our very first offline tournament last thursday we did exclusively guilty gear and we currently have a mandate in place to only have 128 people maximum side of the venue we have social distancing techniques masks and everything and it's just so incredibly exciting especially today especially with the announcement of a tekken character in super smash brothers because the rate that we saw people returning in the new amount of talent that we saw people returning to Xanadu at the the crossover between Super Smash Brothers and Tekken is what I'm so incredibly excited to see right now. And I don't have to tell you all that these are inherently two totally different communities that we're talking about right now. This game, specifically Tekken 7, may be the game to merge the gap between the both of them. And I'm so incredibly excited to document that and talk to you all a little bit more moving forward regarding it. That's everything. Wow, that is absolutely exciting. And I know... Go ahead, Steve. I'm sorry, sir. No, you you go ahead. You go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I know some of the the locals here in Texas are opening up too, and it's exciting. Mm Mm-hmm. After after Maryland opened up uh, the state earlier this month, like it was kind of an all hands on deck type of thing, and so we got to the point where we were like trying to schedule pretty qu- pretty quickly the safest way that we would be able to congregate and play again. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I wanted to have this conversation last week, and I'm kind of giving everyone brief strokes because there was more I wanted to go over. There was a video and everything that we had, but now that we've done our first local, doesn't really make sense to go over it as much. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, as soon as I walked into the venue. It felt like home again. And that that sense of that sense of belonging is what I've really, really missed from offline events. That sense of dang, you know, I used to come here all the time. I'm so excited to see people here. But always there's the ever moving time aspect of it. You come back, you see people a little bit different than they used to. You know, so many things have changed for every single person coming in the venue, but so many things have stayed the same. It was just, it really felt like a huge 
gathering and a huge welcome back. And I do want to invite everyone to come out to our events. Obviously, you can sign up every single week. We have events right now on Thursdays and Saturdays. Guilty Gear is going to be on Thursday. All other fighting games, with the exception of a few side games, will be on Saturday. You can definitely follow us, twitter.com slash XanaduFGC. I'm sorry, Xanadu Games FGC on Twitter for when we're going to be having our very next event. All right. But thank you so much to everyone who's been supporting us this whole time. And oh my gosh, I it was it was just so I, 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 I feel like my words aren't doing it justice. It was so moving seeing people that I hadn't seen for over a year and a half now. I was just blown away. And how did the first tournament go? You said it was a Guilty Gear 128-person bracket? Uh, we had we had a maximum of 120 people oh. that we were allowed to have inside of our gotcha. venue. We actually, I believe, ended at about 42 entrants mm-hmm. wow, because we were only open for pre-registration. You could not come up and and register on site for security purposes specifically yeah. because we didn't want to go over the cap so we closed pre-registration about 30 minutes before the tournament opened um and it felt like everyone that came there was very excited to see it everybody mm-hmm. that was in the event inside of the venue felt very safe and secure and it was just an overall very welcoming experience it felt like once again a homecoming <laughs> yeah no that's super exciting super happy for folks over in the xanadu land uh, to get their local back and can't wait to see what comes next. Speaking of Smash, Smash with Tekken, apparently. Smash and Tekken. You're right. <laughs> Speaking of Smash tournaments, though, Steve, I believe you wanted to cover a specific tournament that had a pretty big blow up just recently. Uh, blow up is probably the wrong word. It blew up. Um, so, over the last couple of weeks, you might have seen something about an event called Riptide. This is sort of the spiritual successor with new management of smash and splash one of the bigger smash events uh from a couple years back uh they opened up registration and uh for an offline event to take place late in, later uh in september and the response was absolutely insane they sold out and then they sold out again when they reopened and they've got over 2,000 players registered in just a matter of a couple hours. Um, I got the opportunity to sit down with a man called Josh, uh, Josh Marcotte. He is one of the core members of the team that is putting together Riptide. And I asked him about uh, some of the things involving that tournament, including uh, what he is looking forward to what he uh the ch- how this blew up what his response to it is and the challenges of running an event in this post covid world let's run some of that interview right now uh, obviously you made the call back then to not run in 2020 when did you start feeling confident that you could actually run your event in 2021 we started having earnest conversation about it in April, uh, I would say, uh, as we recognized that vaccination rates were going fairly well across the country. Um, there were rumblings of events starting up uh, on the local level in May and, and then earlier this month in June. Um, and we sort of made the call, we, we spoke with our venue. We said to them, hey, we wanna run, uh, again, this is back in April, but we wanna be especially careful about it. We have all of these sort of policies that they had in place um, during uh, the sort of uh, height of 2020, 
or as I said, I guess towards the latter half of 2020, when they still had events there, but they were very spaced out, they were very sanitary, they were very, uh, they were governed by these really strict policies. We said, we want to run the event in 2021. We still want to follow most of those policies. Uh, and they've been wonderfully helpful um, throughout the entire process of helping us take their, their floor plans and really realize what size event we could run while still maintaining like things like uh, a variant of social distancing. We're not doing six feet per person, but you know, four, three or four feet uh, per person. Um, things like how we can lay out a venue uh, with setups uh, and staging and still be uh, very cautious and safe with regard to health policies. How many people were you initially expecting to have when you made, first made the decision uh, to run Riptide this year? When we launched registration, we uh, we had a cap of 1,000 with regard to the space we had. And uh, there, are, there are sort of four of us that are the principal organizers. Three of them, the other three, not me, said, oh, there's no way we hit that. People are still going to be very cautious. There gonna be a lot, there's going to be a lot of anxiety. And I knew from having seen... Uh, events, you know, one event in particular in Florida, InfinityCon runs Smash, and it and it having hundreds of folks uh, go, and that was in the beginning of June. I said to myself, "There's no way that um, we don't sell out immediately." And indeed, we entered, we entered, uh, opened registration, um, and we had 1,028 uh, entrants within the first hour, uh, and thus had to close because we everything had capped. Uh, the events themselves capped very quickly. Um, and we recognized right then and there that uh, the demand for events was high, especially a demand for events that were obviously trying to take care of the attendees and make sure everyone was was kept safe. Uh, so we started having conversations with the venue about, is there anything else we can do? Can we somehow get more space? Uh, and that turned into a two weeks process of trying to bring that magic of a, of a smash tournament back a major smash tournament back to our attendees uh while also constantly being worried about how we would lay out a space and how we would make sure there's no crowding or there's no um, places that might cause any sort of anxiety for folks who are still re-entering the, the world as we know it so you talked about having a thousand people register within an hour that was the first wave, right? Because there that was, was the a, there was a second registration period, and now, as of recording, you're on the third, correct? We are, yeah. So we we've been speaking to our venue uh, constantly throughout this process, and after the first uh, wave finished, and we had that 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 swelling of support and people saying, "Oh my gosh, I really want to go to this event," we spoke to the venue where we managed to secure. So the original space was around. 30,000 square feet. Uh, we managed to secure additional space, additional rooms, areas of the venue to bring us to 70,000 square feet. We raised the cap at that point um, to allow in about another thousand folks. Those spots sold within minutes. Um, we launched registration two days later uh, for that second wave, that second sort of first uh, enlargening of the, of the venue space. And those went in minutes. Ultimate, I think, uh, sold out 200 and, 200 and some odd spots in seven minutes, eight minutes. Uh, ridiculous amounts of support. Again, all the while, we're still sitting as the organizers saying to ourselves, okay, we can't go crazy with this because this has, obviously there's a demand here, but we do have to be nervous and, and, and apprehensive about doing anything more than this. And so we had the first expansion, 75,000 square feet, 
we said to ourselves, that's it. Like, we don't want to talk about it anymore with the venue. Uh, we have 2000 people in this space. We can do a good job with this space. Um, and then the venue came back and said, well, what if you just took the entire event wing, bringing us from 75,000 to around 100,000 square feet? 100,000 square feet is an alarming amount of space. It is cavernous. It's not counting the end zones larger than two football fields. Like it's, it's so much space. Um, so we spoke with the venue, really went through our floor plans and then, yeah, chose to take on the full event side of, uh, of the Kalahari, uh, in Sandusky, Ohio. And, uh, we are now, we, re uh, opened registration again yesterday, um, didn't raise the event caps too much, but did offer spectator passes, uh, which is something we hadn't really gotten to offer the first two waves because the spectator, pa the, uh, competitor passes sold out so quickly. Um, and so, yeah, we opened registration yesterday, events capped within a couple hours, uh, and we are looking at a uh, 25, 2600 person event now uh, in what can only be described as a cavernously large space. Uh, I'm sure in hindsight, in two or three years, when I look back on this event, I'll say, oh my gosh, we could have housed so many more, but I'm happy that we sort of put our foot down at all passes and said, we don't want to go past this point. Um, just because for at least the Smash community, we are the first large event back and we want to do right by them. Do you feel any sort of pressure being that first big event, uh, big offline event? I know we've had locals starting to come back, but you're going to be the first one. You're going to have a whole lot of eyes on you. Is there anything in particular that you and your team are nervous about? Or is there anything in particular you're not nervous about? <laughs> that might be the shorter answer. No, I think uh, the flippant answer is, of course, what do I have to worry about? We've done all this planning. But the, as anyone who's done event running knows, that's the very beginning. And the contingency plans and the what do we do in these cases plans start now. Uh, yeah, I would say all throughout the process of talking to the venue, I, we all expressed uh, sort of a, a trepidation about moving beyond our initial plans, um, welcoming so many people. Um, but there is this sense I have of, I'm happy it was the four of us deciding uh, and figuring out this process because I know, and it's not out of malice and it's not out of anything besides maybe just not being as cautious as we are that any other event um, had a chance of doing it wrong. And I'm happy at least that we have the capacity to be the first one back and to be overly cautious and to have all of these policies in place and to have all the space laid out um, to prevent crowding and to prevent gathering of people and and still, fingers crossed, give the, you know, uh, two and a half thousand Smash players the, the experience they're looking for uh, in their first event back. Um, I would say the biggest worry I have is just that we won't have thought of everything before the weekend. Uh, but that's true of every event that I've ever run is, you know, do I have contingencies for my contingencies? Um, the health side of it, is really straightforward. The guidelines are really easy to follow. We just have to play with AutoCAD and set up a room in a certain way. Um, but I, that part I'm not as worried about. I think the bit that will always nag at the back of my mind is um, what will I not have thought of until it happens? Uh, if you want to catch the interview, uh, it will be on our YouTube channel and our uh audio channels including soundcloud uh and uh spotify 
all of your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, that should go live uh, once this episode is over, so about 15 minutes or so. Thank you, Steve, for tracking down Josh, and thank you, Josh, for your time uh, in uh, sitting down and having an interview with Steve. Uh, I can't wait to see what that's all about. Now, speaking of big blowups, we there was an announcement last time we had the show, and that was that CEO was coming back. And pre-registration was happening. Pre-registration has happened. And I think it happened big. Right, Steve? It happened real big. Uh, much like you saw with Riptide. This went insane. Um, if, if you... It was almost like a sneaker drop. It was along those lines. Uh, because, well, they announced the 10-game lineup. Uh, or the nine game lineup, excuse me, uh, for CEO. And it just, all of the registration, they had, uh, caps for each of the games, uh, all 10 games, excuse me. And all of those caps got hit in within three days. And for many of them, it was significantly quicker than that. If we can pull up the game list, um, you see Guilty Gear Strive, the biggest one, that hit 512 players in half an hour. Smash sold out in an hour. Uh, Street Fighter and Tekken took a little longer, but still, 500 players in, in two days and three days is nothing to sneeze at. Marvel 2, or Marvel 3, excuse me, 128 players in less than two hours. BB Tag, 128 players in less than an hour and a half. Uh, DBFC 256 players in just around three hours. The response it was insane. As of right now, all games are at their cap. However, CEO is going to reopen registration uh, next Sunday, uh, the 20, June 27th at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, uh, and you, there will be additional slots for all the games. Most of them are going to be 64 additional slots, uh, but DBFZ is going to have an additional uh, 128 instead, and Strive and Smash Ultimate are going to raise their caps by 256. So this will be, as Jabalia said, the last opportunity to sign up for any games here. If you miss out here, you are missing out. I I don't even want to look at hotels <laughs> to see. I'm sure they're every on hotel, their fourth one. Yeah, I'm sure like every hotel within like a 50 mile radius is sold out at this point. That's crazy. That is wild. And yeah, I you know what? Everybody's bringing up the same thing I was going to bring up. Grand Blue versus dumb some numbers, you know, especially for a game that didn't get uh, a lot of uh, it, it got screwed because right as it came out is when the pandemic hit. Also, Sharpie, you're muted again. Um, right. <laughs> no, I self-muted, actually, because I was going to say the exact same thing as you. <laughs> awesome. Do you want to say it again? You probably uh, say it better. <laughs> it's important to remember that Grand Blue's numbers being so high is very important because it was the game that had last come out right as soon as the quarantine started. And unlike other games that had come out previously um, during the pandemic, its netcode was not strong enough to, I want to say, give it a 
fighting chance going into the pandemic. So it never really had a, a launch. A lot of people are looking at this event as an opportunity to play Grand Blue, Blue for the very first time at a competitive major event, which is just super exciting. See, it was really very, very fantastically poised to um, capitalize on that. Yeah, I cannot wait. CEO, I think, is is CEO like the first offline major? Uh, depending on how you define major, because uh, yes. Riptide, oh, Riptide, yeah, yeah, Riptide yeah. is taking place in September. Climax Night is in November. Uh, CEO is obviously going to be in December, but it is sort of in a tier above a lot of other events. You know, especially Summer Jam the is also prior to that. That's right. Summer Jam's coming back in August, right? So I feel like the technical answer there is no. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the very first major. <laughs> yep. It's it's just the most. I think I think it's uh, specifically better marketed than mm-hmm. Summer Jam right now. Yeah. So it has a larger a larger basis of entrance right. to pick from, just because of yeah. marketing. But. Yeah. And I'm I mean historically speaking, like. Summer Jam is a big event, mm-hmm. and uh, NEC is a big event, especially mm-hmm. in scenes like uh, DOA, because mm-hmm. uh, Big E does mm-hmm. wonders for the DOA scene out there. But in terms of international attention for most scenes, I think CEO is like has been that top that tier right below Evo. It it, it just seems like. And I hate pitting events against each other like this, but it does seem like this is the first massive one. The other ones are big, but this one is like a a step above historically. Right. Mm. Anyway, I'm going to do a little bit more research into Summer Jam because I'm a big fan. If it wasn't for a big E-tournaments, I would not be in the FGC today. See, Elon, I was expecting you to speak up when Steve was saying something because I didn't want to be like the only one defending... You know, Northeast, and I know it's more your stomping ground than mine. So I was, I was like, well, if Elon's not going to say anything, I'm gonna let it slide. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> look, he has a point. I think, I think we can classify CEO and Combo Breaker as quote unquote super majors, right? Up there with Evo, quote unquote. I have thoughts on that, but we'll discuss it at a later time when we have more time. Sure, and that's fair. Uh, and, but either like either way, I'm excited. Events are coming back. I think that's kind of the big nugget of this small segment that we have here. Uh, and I did, I did remember seeing in the Philly, the Philly Facebook, uh, the Philly FGC Facebook that Summer Jam was coming back and I regret not bringing it up. And I do hope that I can somehow finagle my way into Philadelphia to go to Summer Jam because Summer Jam is all. And yeah, dude, uh, Biggie does wonders for the DOA community. He always makes the DOA tournaments free to enter with a giant pop bonus. Super fun, super good times. Anything else we want to say about CEO before we move on? Uh, just, just to put later. a bow on it. Wow. Uh, just to put a bow on it, Summer Jam is going... Uh, more details are going to be announced later, but Summer Jam is going to be August 27th through 29th. Uh, NEC is going to be uh, November 5th through 7th. So definitely not during Capcom Cup this time. If they make Capcom Cup during that <laughs> tournament, I am never going to a Capcom Cup ever again. I'm just going to NEC. <laughs> They're just gonna cut off the <laughs> the last five qualifiers and just say, "Okay, we're doing it this weekend," because reasons. Ugh. Okay, 
So, big events in the horizon. Hooray. Go get your vaccines if you haven't, so you can go enjoy these events too. Uh, next. There's, uh, you know, speaking of drops, Steve, Entropy. There's uh, some limited time merchandise that's been coming out recently. And uh, it, I feel like it's going to be the next big thing. It's the next sneakers of the FGC. So we have mm. to get them before they run out. And that is Sonic Fox plushie. You know, honestly, I, I'm just, I'm going to say it right now, Elon, but if you do not post a warning before you show us some of the cutest images I've ever seen in my life, I'm just not going to do this show anymore. I'm just not. Okay. It's in my contract. Okay. Well, this is Sonic Plush. So- <laughs> Sonic, Sonic Fox. Plush. Sonic Plush. Sonic Plush. Sonic Plush, everybody. Sonic Plush. 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 Anyway, Evil Geniuses is releasing limited time Sonic Fox plushies. Get yours while supply lasts. Big ups uh, to Fox. Supply Sonic no Fox. longer lasts. Is it gone already? It's gone. It was gone within like two <laughs> Are hours. Are you joking? No. I am not joking. This is why we can't have nice things in the FGC. They go too dang fast. I get paid on Friday. No. Sad times. I can't recreate this picture. I want to recreate this picture right here. Everyone, it was just announced today. It was just announced today. I was going to buy one for me and then one for one of my friends who goes to offline locals and is a developer and really wanted the game. I, I'm sorry, the plushie. And then another one to give away later. Like, I, well, I wanted to buy three. Them's the breaks, as they say. So, Sad so- times for all. So it's sold out in two and a two hours fifteen minutes. Grand opening, grand closing. Man, I like how the FGC was known as like the 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 poverty esports, but everybody's buying out everything. Who's got money? I want money. I want a plushie. (laughs) It it it's not the FGC buying things; it's people buying to invest. True. You know, it's there the are same Sonic Fox plushies. Up- <laughs> Sonic Fox plushies, the next Dogecoin. <laughs> Pretty much, they're gonna, they're gonna try and turn it into an NFT somehow. Mm-hmm. I, don't I even think. Know can we play the video that, that they did to release it? I have I it right think, here. I don't think we have the video uh, unless you can copy and paste it into our chat yeah, on VMix here. That'd be great. Oh, I posted it in the doc. Oh, uh, I. I posted it underneath the original thing in the doc. I don't have the doc opened on this computer. No. Okay. Well, I posted it in the chat as well. Okay. So. Thank you. I'm sorry. The... No, no, no. That's my own that... fault. I like I said, I shouldn't have added it literally right before we started. So. There you go. E.G. Cross Sonic's Fox plushie. Bam, bam, bam. It stands on two legs and sits. Okay. This is crazy. No wonder these things sold. I want one. Right? Look at how cute it is. This is That thing is so cute. This is too adorable. So big ups to Sonic <laughs> Fox and to GG. Uh, EG, sorry. EG.GG. It's uh, GG for anyone who wanted to buy it. <laughs> that is true. 
Very true. It's GG for all of us. Oh, look at him. I really just have one question here. Yes. Why are the arms red? Uh, their their suit is like that too. Yeah, but why are the arms red on the suit and on the plushie? Because it's Sonic. Fox. Yeah, I. You just don't ask. It just is. Sonic Fox does what they do, and you just roll with it. We're all living in their world. Skullgirls fans, thanks for watching and understanding the reference. <laughs> I, I sorry, I don't know. Okay. Uh. All right, last segment of the day. E3 just happened. Do we have any thoughts? Everybody forgot about E3, to be completely frank. <laughs> I, I didn't forget. I didn't forget. I didn't watch it because, to be very honest with you, I feel like E3 doesn't represent what the gaming industry is anymore. I just, I don't see any reason to watch it. Should I watch it and then see some game that's not even completely finished that like, may have just finished, like, Alpha or something that's now going into beta that won't be ready for, like, another two years or a game that just went into production that may be canceled at any point in time. Like, I, I don't need to watch an event for that, you know? I understand, like, the idea behind it, but it just it doesn't feel like E3 is a huge calling for me in the gaming sphere anymore. I enjoy watching it for the technical things um i actually really enjoy the tech that they show off at e3 but that's more of an offline experience not an online experience the online experience mostly focuses on new games doesn't really focus on electronics anymore so i don't really watch e3 for new games anymore yeah, but it, it's, it's, congrats to everyone all the hosts and all of my friends who had an opportunity to host the event much congratulations to them congrats to all the developers and producers who managed to like come out with a game throughout this past year's environment. Congratulations to all of them. Me personally, as a consumer, I didn't feel like this event was worth attending, even virtually, just because I didn't, I, I there was no, there was nothing I was really excited for at all. I, I didn't, I didn't want to see them be like, by the way, here's what we're working on. See you in two years, see you in three years. Here's some high resolution, non-gameplay -render, non rendered thing in After Effects that we made. You can't even play on the engine right now that won't look anything like the gameplay. I don't I'm I'm too old to see that nowadays. It's still exciting. It's just it's not worth me putting more energy into my day for anymore. Yeah. And to to go off of your point, Sharpie, I think somebody had said this earlier, and I agree with what they said, is I think we got to see the effect of the pandemic in the gaming industry via E3. Mm. Because there was a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I not mean, that there wasn't anything, but it feel it felt very light compared to uh, past years as well. So I I think if anything, it was that eye opening experience of being like, oh, it, right. It's sort of like it it, it it's a double whammy because mm -hmm. pre, pre even pre pandemic you started nintendo started going to direct sony started doing its own experience mm -hmm. where they could control not only the narrative but the timing they didn't have to focus all of their uh advertising uh, in this random date in june they could put it wherever they wanted and then once the pandemic hit everybody else who who started doing that as well like okay mm -hmm. we got to do an online sort of thing so now you got to, you know, from E3's perspective, they got to try and 
almost talk these companies out of doing the things they're already doing. Mm-hmm. So why would Nintendo want to be, you know, you know, for smaller publishers, smaller devs, it makes sense to to band together and, and have E3 and kind of get all of the the spotlight as you can. But if you're a Nintendo, why would you want to share the stage with uh, Sony and Microsoft? If you're Microsoft, mm-hmm. why would you want to share the stage with Nintendo and Sony? You can do the things on your own, do it your way, and have full control. Word. It's also very frustrating to me personally that this past year, E3 had an opportunity to really reevaluate the way that they were doing things. Like a lot of a lot of what you said, Steve, wasn't inherently incorrect. You know, this was kind of like something that we've seen all year. E3 had an opportunity to stand apart and really show why they were a pillar. And the gaming sphere, I don't feel like they did that. First of all, the event last year had been canceled due to coronavirus. They had a huge opportunity to come back and start a brand new slate and just be like, we've, we're doing something we've never done before entirely. And it was missed, you know, like they could have come back and announced a whole different format of doing it. They could have had a plethora of different games. They could have opened it up to a, a, a series of new publishers. They could have had an indie showcase of their own and it just it really felt like the bar was dropped um in lieu of some a safe format that we had seen previously that didn't really excite or expand and like dare i say it really impress any veteran consumers in the gaming industry myself included not to state that the games there didn't look fun the showcases didn't look fun it's just i wasn't comparatively to past experiences of e3 and me viewing it be it, albeit younger or even uh, just a few, about half a decade ago, I I don't see much change. And that's both towards, like you said, Steve, how the gaming industry has been over the last year and just how I feel E3 as a company is not necessarily innovating themselves enough to stay competitive in this environment any longer. I don't disagree. To be completely honest, it does feel like they blew it. Speaking of blue... Blue five sixty one. Thank you for resubscribing to the channel for thirty two months. Big thank that you. That was a good one. That was a good one, Elon. That was a good one. I mean, they did blow. Should be proud of that one. I, I agree. Um, and you know, with all that said, I feel like they basically asked Nintendo to put their direct on E three because they. That's were really do what it anyway. felt like. Yeah. That's and really what like it felt like, and I don't think anybody was fooled for a singular second. You know. Yep. I'm uh, no disrespect to any company that, you know, purchased advertising time or something with E3 or anything like that. I don't know how the company functions. I don't know how the how any part of E3 really functions because I've never been asked to take a part in any part of it. But what I will say is that it would just be nice to see a complete rehaul um, of the way that that event runs specifically so that it can start catering to newer aspects of game. I would have loved I would have literally loved, and I know everyone's going to hate me for saying this, I would have loved to see more mobile game announcements at E3. There is the whole next generation of gamers that do not have consoles, that are exclusively mobile gamers, especially people um, that are, I would say, like, this is just a rough estimate, but like, you know, people that work that can't afford a console. I would love to see just a segment in E3 dedicated to some of the really high-level mobile games. That would be awesome. But there's this whole stigma around mobile gaming. 
And are we going to see that stigma broken at one of the biggest gaming expos in the world? No, because they don't care. You know, like there's there's a status quo that we're still pushing for some reason. And it's just disheartening, honestly. I just I I'm I want to see more. I want to see more push towards making the new verse the new voices and the gaming community heard. And I just I want it so badly to be E3 because the alternative is that some other company does it or some other community does it and then it overtakes that company, you know? Um but anyway, that's just Sharpie says, I suppose. <laughs> no, I mean I don't I don't necessarily disagree with you and I feel like there is a lot of issues in a lot of communities with things like gatekeeping, right? And I feel like this is a big one for the games industry, among, you know, other really shitty gatekeeping, like, you know, uh, keeping women and people of color out of the gaming sphere or whatever the fuck. Well, even mean. in the chat, I'm seeing, like, people that don't necessarily care about mobile gaming, which is interesting because despite the fact that, like, you know, we may not have necessarily grown up with mobile gaming. There's a whole community of people who have mm -hmm. that are now moving into competitive gaming, not exclusively in mobile gaming, but in other aspects. So yeah. that's a very real experience that we may not have personally felt or grown up with. But there is a whole plethora of community members who have. And that mm -hmm. is experience that's very special to them. And it would be really nice if our community could welcome them and that community by welcoming the entire gaming community of, of mobile gaming as a whole into the gaming sphere. But once again, it's not something we're seeing even at the highest levels, which is yeah. very disheartening. Yeah. With that said, though, you can play any game that you could play on your Xbox on your phone via Xbox Cloud or whatever it's called. That's kind of cool. So I guess that's a step in that direction. And the thing that... Nice. Did you get it? I did. Nice. Uh, Bravo. Bravo. The, the, thing, that, <laughs> Thank the you. thing that I think impresses me the most is like, I'm not an Xbox person, right? I've always been a quote-unquote Sony fanboy. Not Console Wars. It's just what I grew up with, and that's what I'm comfy with. Kevin Butler. What about Kevin the, Butler? The actor that was like, you know, he would read those PSN things, and there was a whole marketing campaign back in, like, the early 2000s, yeah, late 90s. the ex executive vice president of everything. Oh. <laughs> that's and why he got I became a Sony fan. Yeah. He actually got fired because he used a Wii in a tire ad, uh, mm. like a Bridgestone ad. That's right. I remember this now. Yes. So. I remember this. But what I was going to say is <laughs> sorry, sorry to just jump onto my point because we're, we're kind of over time here. Uh, I just wanted to say like the that offer of, hey, you can be playing a game on your computer or your console and then you can pick it up right where you left off on your mobile device and then come back after work or wherever you were playing where you're not supposed to and keep going from where you left off is so attractive. Mm -hmm. I really want to do that. Shit. I'm saying I, I do it all the time with like Runeterra, to be very honest with you. The fact that I can play Runeterra on both my computer and my phone, mm -hmm. I can't drop it and come back, but I can play it on both platforms. That makes it just so much more accessible to me. And I think there are a lot of games like that that are very well formatted so that they can do it. And I just wish more people would be open to it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Anyway. It's just, it's, I'm sorry. This is the last mm -hmm. I'm going to say about it. But it's just the same type of gatekeeping we saw previously with, like, PC players versus arcade players. People yeah. that didn't have money to purchase their own PCs or consoles. Those people are now mobile gamers. And we see other types of gamers 
almost like discriminating against them just because they may not have the funds to use anything other than a phone. Yeah. That seems really messed up to me specifically. And I feel like more than anything, people inside the fighting game community should understand that. Yep. I agree. And it does feel very hypocritical too. So. uh, Not calling out anybody specific. I was just, I wanted to say that. Crimson Wander said it in our chat. No, we don't. We don't want to send hate. This is a podcast, Elon. There <laughs> were do. there were there was a conversation in our chat specifically about I hate mobile games and someone co-signing with it, and that made me realize and bring up the topic that this is this is a very very common feeling with all gamers, not just competitive gamers. All gamers don't feel like mobile games deserve a spot in the game yeah. sphere. Yeah. No. Yeah, I agree, and I think that needs to change for sure. However. This is a conversation for another time because we are officially out of time by over 10 minutes. So it is time for us to skedaddle on out of here. First, before we do that, since we're already over, do we have any final parting thoughts? Steve, you look like you want to say something. I just threw a link in chat for the uh, Josh interview. Uh, Definitely give that a check. We talk about uh, what he thinks about uh, the future of events might look like as well as... Uh, his thoughts on events being asked to hold uh, certain registration, uh, a certain amount of registration, registration slots, excuse me, uh, for top players. So interesting conversation. I hope you give it a check. Yeah. And again, big thank you to Josh uh, for taking the time. Sorry again for the tech- technical difficulties, everybody. That one's on me. I'll take that one. Uh, Sharpie, any parting thoughts? There is one thing that will make you a very, very good gamer. You can take this bit of advice from me as someone who has gamed competitively for the last 20 years. Play games that make you happy. I agree. That's a, that's a, that's a rule to live by, not just in gaming, but in everything in life. All right. That has been this week's episode of Best of Five. I've been Elon. This is my information here this is the main squeeze steve ice king offsuit jerk and the inimitable the purple sharpie i can't spell inimitable me neither thank you for joining us for this week we'll be back next week steve sharpie say your things every good podcaster has a sign-off phase good night canada